Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, for that wonderful introduction, and welcome back, everybody, to the Living Your Dash podcast. And we are in the midst of our Rick's new series, Grow Up, and uh, we'll be looking at the life of hope. And so, Rick, can you real quickly tell us a little bit more about why this this particular topic is so important to you? Well, this week, especially the topic of growing up in hope is so critical in our culture right now, Sean. I look around and I know you feel the same way. You see so many people in despair. Uh, they just feel hopeless. They feel hopeless about their job, their family, their marriage. They feel hopeless about the secular culture. They feel hopeless uh, for uh, America. And it just seems like you talk about a pandemic. I think we have a pandemic of hopelessness. And mm. that was one of my goals in uh, this series is, you know, I want us to grow up in faith, hope, and love. But that middle one, hope, I believe is just critical uh, at this point in, in our in our, in our uh, nation's life and in the people that you and I deal with all the time. Yeah. I, I remember a, a quote saying that, uh, you know, you people can survive about three days without, uh, actually, when they can survive more, they can survive weeks without food, maybe three days without water, but they can't survive a second without hope. And uh, it, it really is something that we need, isn't it? Um, oh, it is. It is. And people, because the minute you fall into hopelessness, you it's like you're stuck in quicksand and you hmm. cannot move forward. And that's the challenge of how do you regain hope when circumstances around you seem hopeless? Okay, so folks, if you haven't, uh, this is a great time just to say, if you haven't listened to Rick's message, make sure you go to rosalgrace.com forward slash watch, uh, or uh, you need to not only watch this, but you need to tell other people about this fantastic message, uh, as well as just to get yourself equipped. So Rick, you chose Romans 5 uh, as as the as the passage to focus on, really important passage, it's, it's typically a kind of a pillar passage. I don't know what else to say about that, except that it, it it's kind of the construction of the doctrine of justification by faith. Just how important is our justification and why does it lead to hope? Well, even when you read the, the very first verse, it says that, you know, since we have been justified by faith in Jesus, we have peace with God. Without justification, John, we have no peace. Um, mm. And you think about it, what is peace? Well, Paul was a good Jew. And for, for Paul, it meant shalom would be the Hebrew word. And I, I, yeah, I probably have said it before on the podcast. It bears repeating. Shalom really means I'm calm on the inside, even though there is chaos on the outside. Mm. When a person realizes they have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, that's where genuine peace comes into your life. And peace, that kind of peace, lays a foundation where you can have hope. You can have hope for the future. And it's like, well, if God is taking care of my past and I'm justified, he's working in my life, 
I don't have to be afraid. I can have peace no matter what's going on uh, around me in the culture, in my marriage, in my family. I can still have genuine peace. Right, right. Okay. So is this why you you contrasted um, worldly hope from biblical hope? If you don't you, if you don't mind telling us, what is the difference between the two? Oh, and they're they're uh, totally different. Wor- worldly hope is wishful thinking. And I, I mentioned Sunday morning, it's, you know, I hope I win the lottery. Yeah. That's, that's a fat chance, wishful thinking type hope. Biblical hope is diametrically opposed to that. Biblical hope is confident assurance. If people would remember those words, when I say I, ha- I put my hope in God, it means I have confident assurance uh, in God because when our when our hope is in the promises of God, God cannot break a promise that right. would violate his nature, that would violate his character. God cannot tell a lie. God cannot break a promise. And so if your hope is in that kind of confident assurance, that's where you're going to have peace. Uh, that's where you're going to have joy in your life. And, and you're not going to throw in the towel and say, well, it's all over. Look at what's going on in the world. No, it's Hey, look what God is doing in my heart. That's mm. what gives you the hope to keep going. Amazing. So how can this uh, scripture, well, I'm thinking that most people wish that they could, I guess, stay young forever. They they want to be free from trouble. They want to be free from from all the, the things that, that cause us to be sad. We want to be thin forever, disease-free, empl- uh, employed, and our children bright and above average in looks. So what, what um, is there something wrong with hoping for those things? Yeah, because that's wishful thinking. <laughs> you, The minute you, as I look at your list there and I listen to your list, Sean, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a great list of wishful thinking. Yeah, that's the way the world hopes. Oh, I, I hope I'll never get sick. Oh, I help. I hope I will never gain weight. Oh, I hope I'll just live and be young forever. No, those things never, never at last in a fallen world. Yeah. So that's why we have to. And I love the coming to grips with that list of saying, you know, these are all fat chance. <laughs> wishful thinking things. What that does, it drives us as believers to realize our ultimate hope must be beyond this world. Yeah, We cannot place our hope in this world because it will never last. Mm. It will always eventually fail. It will, it, it will disappoint in the end. But if our ultimate hope is beyond this world to the new world that God has, has planned for us, well, that changes the equation. It's, is it important as we mature as disciples to begin to reject that type of, of um, I don't know, earthly thinking uh, and to, to, to begin to think differently in the things that we hope for? Absolutely. I would encourage people, you know, if you're really in a hopeless situation and you're just, it's getting to you, it's just eating your lunch, I would encourage you to, just to spend time reading through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Mm. And there, there's one in the first couple of chapters, especially, but there's one place where Paul just describes the horrible conditions that he's living in. I mean, he's locked up in prison. He's got people on his back. He's got opposition and there's, it's, it's, there's nothing Paul can do about it. And 
he comes up with this great word, Sean, that we all need to learn. He just said, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And he, he gets to the whole end of this big old list. He says, you know, whatever happens, all that real, really matters is that you're just living for Christ. Yes. Just keep living for Christ. Sean, the more we move away from the worldly hope of wishful thinking and move toward the biblical hope of confident assurance and the promises of God, we will, we will become whatever believers. Wow. No, no matter what happens, we'll be able to say, well, that's horrible. But, you know, whatever happens, my hope is in God. Yeah. My hope yeah. is not in this world. You know, my, my anchor is cast into the new heavens and the new earth that's coming someday. Even when you face death, that's where Paul says, whether you live, whether you die, yeah, whatever. <laughs> what really matters is that you belong to the Lord. I, I you love belong to the Lord. There's the question. I love how the gospel really is quite realistic uh, because there's uh, it, it doesn't make any sense for us to, to keep on with the wishful thinking. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to keep on thinking that that, uh, oh, I just I just want it. If I just keep thinking this way, things will become better. There's there's even a philosophy and religion that talks about how uh, we should try to see the world as an illusion. Um, uh, but but the gospel Christianity is is quite, quite clear, quite realistic that we we flesh and blood, the Bible says, cannot. Uh, inherit king, the kingdom of God. Isn't that right? Absolutely. You know, we are, it's a terrible form of denial mm. when we live in that illusion that you've just described, thinking that, oh, I'm a Christian. Somehow everything should be hunky dory and we all live happily ever after. Well, we do mm. in the hereafter. Yes. But in the here and now, Jesus made it very clear life is tough. In this world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. But what does he say? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Wonderful. Um, I, I'm thinking about James 1, 2 through 4, where it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, uh, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you can become mature and complete, not lacking anything. So can you compare the scripture out of Romans with that scripture, what, what's the comparison or the, or the contrast to that? Oh, oh, it definitely a comparison. I believe Paul and James are in perfect sync because what they're both describing are the pressures, primarily the pressures that Christians feel living in a non-Christian world, mm -hmm. you know, living a godly life in an ungodly world. It's those pressures and it's realizing what James is saying is what Paul is saying is that those pressures are, are used by God to, uh, to help us grow up. Yeah. Satan intends for those pressures to destroy us, drive us to despair. But if we will allow God to work in all things for our good, when we come through those pressurized seasons of life, we're going to come out the other end stronger, better, more mature. And when we back off and get the, the, the big picture, Sean, we'll, we will realize, you know what, my hope in God has grown because even through that terribly difficult season of pressure, God was actually showing up. God was working in that. God got me through that. Every time God gets you through one of those, your hope in him grows because you realize, okay, 
he kept his promise. He did not leave me. He didn't forsake me. He got me through it. And that's where your confident assurance, your hope in God's promises are going to grow and mature. Rick, I love the way that you framed hope as necessary for dealing with our past. I, I think most people just kind of want to, they want their past to go away. Or, or as you put it Sunday, to edit it out of our of our history. You know, like we can edit out things out of our history file on our computer. Is, is that the way that God deals with us? Yeah, see, Sean, if people do not deal with their past in a biblical, healthy way, it will come back to haunt them. Mm. The past has a way of invading the present, and it will come in, it will paralyze a person with guilt, uh, with fear, uh, with remorse, and, and with despair. And people will say, well, look at my past. God could never use me. God could never work in my life. I've made too many mistakes. I'm a rotten, horrible failure. If you don't deal with your past in a positive way, it will do that very thing. That's where the gift of justification comes in. Mm. Is I, I have to look at my past, as you have just said, be realistic. You don't deny it. You admit it. You confess it. But you accept the pardon of God for your past. Otherwise, you're going to allow that past just to keep reaching into your present, and it'll condemn you and it will control you for the rest of your life. Mm. That's why justification, as Paul says in Romans 5.1, will always lead to peace with God. Wow. Who doesn't need that type of peace? I mean, that that's that, that's just one of the glorious things about the gospel. Uh, Rick, I sometimes kind of wonder, though, that that um, there are certain things that, that are past. It, it needs to be dealt with, not, not just in our positional standing before the Lord. But uh, what I mean by that is this, when, when is it right to let the sins of our youth or our past, just let it be covered by, by the forgiveness, the blood of Jesus, uh, and let it be cast into uh, uh, the dark heart of the ocean of, of God's mercy. But when is it right to actually carefully consider how they affect us? And, and why is that important? Well, anyone who's ever been through a Christian 12-step program knows the answer. Hmm. And that is sometimes there are things that have such a grip on our, our self-image, uh, just family issues, family of origin issues, that some of those really have to be brought all the way to the surface before they can be cast into the depths of the sea. Mm -hmm. And you know, some people, they, they, they would look at their past, not deal with some of those issues, and just pretend like, oh, yeah, it's all gone, it's all forgiven. Yeah, it can be forgiven, but those consequences can be still hanging around, controlling our life, controlling our relationships. And that's where, Sean, I believe, like, for example, in a Christian 12-step program, you learn to let those things come to the surface, not so they will control your life, but so you can really get those things in your past, get them forgiven and pardoned by Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that I, that I can speak for, at least from my point of view, that there, there are certain things that have done that, that have been patterns developed because of past uh, hurts that led to hangups, which led to habits. Uh, that, that we have to find out those things and and uh, find out that healing comes also through when when we begin to share those things with others and and uh, we need that particular type of trust. It's um, 
it, it, it's an affirmation that that at least from my from my point of view, there's no shortcut. That it's important, um, and I I love it that the body of Christ that we are well suited to be able to receive people where they are, not where they should be, because that's a lie, uh, but where where they are and, and let us love them and, and let them love us back because everybody needs that. You know, maybe that's why James says, confess your sins one to another. Amen. What's he saying? You bring those things to the surface that need to be healed. Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Yes. Now, you bring them to the surface, you don't hold on to them, you don't let them control your life. You know, you bring them so you can be healed, so you can move forward healed. That's what I've seen time and time again, people that that they, they're able to, to talk about those things in, in, a, in a more private setting with, with a small group of people or, with, or just one more person. And, uh, and suddenly they're set free, they realize how God has set them free. Well, perhaps we can look at how hope helps us to grow in the present. Um, uh, this is a, a link to the theme discussed earlier, but the grace of God is never divorced from testing or suffering, is it? I mean, you said God has a habit of using life's pressures to grow and mature us. I am imagine that some people didn't like that. <laughs> I mean, is that really true? Yeah, well, yeah. Sadly, it is true. There's no shortcuts to growth. But yeah. when you when you look at, I mean, look at all of God's universe. Healthy things grow in God's world. Yeah. Unhealthy things, sick things, don't grow. Well, God is so incredibly committed to growth, and I, I mean, I think He's committed to that a flower grows, that a tree grows, that a that an animal grows. And he is committed, John, to human beings that we grow and develop, that we do not remain in a childish attitude and in a, get stuck in childhood. And, and I, I really believe that all, all we have to do is we have to honestly look, John, we have to honestly look at our past pressures and just ask, okay, when I went through that season where I was really under pressure, at work, in my marriage, in whatever situation you can think, in a health situation, ask yourself this question, did I grow through the experience? Hmm. Did I grow? Now, I'll be the first to admit growth is not automatic, but it's always an option. It's not automatic. I know hmm. a lot of people go through pressurized situations. They come out bitter, not better. Hmm. But you and I both know, Sean, people who've gone through incredibly difficult, challenging seasons in life. And they, they come out on the other end better. Yes. You know, I mean, genuinely better. They have grown, they have matured. They are a healthier person. They have more peace, more, more joy in their life, having gone through that experience. So maybe you think bitter, bitter or better. That's the options. Mm. I know I, I want to touch on this a little later on. I think that that's it's it's always curious to me how um, the transaction that happens uh, through our struggles, through uh, through our hurts and and trials, that that there is something that that's very very important uh, as a part of the the uh, the transformation that that God does in our life. That there there is no shortcuts in maturity, are there? 
None, none whatsoever. You can't read a book. You can't watch podcast. You can learn things from a book. You can learn things from a podcast, but uh, nothing will replace going through the experience. And I think as, as I, 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 I don't know, I guess the longer I live, the more experiences and, and trials that I go through, the more that, that I find I wouldn't want to skip them. I, I, I didn't like going through it, but um, I would not want to skip them knowing now. And I think that perhaps do we know that we're growing in maturity when we can say that, when we can start to say, whew, I don't want to go through that again, but man, I'm sure glad I, I went through it. Yeah, two thoughts on that, Sean. You know, I remember my old coach used to say, and he was quoting other coaches for many years gone by, no pain, no gain. Mm. But when does a coach say that? Well, you know, when you're in the locker room and you won the game because you outlasted the other team <laughs> and it was your it was your perseverance and you, you know, you've got the trophy in the locker room. And that's where the coach says, remember all those times you were cursing me for putting you through the pain. <laughs> all right. Now, now we experience the game. Yeah. But, but I think Jesus said it better. You know, the way to glory is the way of the cross. Wow. The way to glory. If you want glory. There's one road. It's the road of the cross. And mm -hmm. Jesus taught it. He exemplified it. And it is the only way to spiritual growth and maturity. So the, is, are you saying that you can't really be a disciple unless you take up that cross? That's what Jesus said. I don't <laughs> have to say it. Yeah. If you're going to be my disciple, Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Excellent. Nobody likes to carry a cross, Sean. It's no mm -hmm. fun. That's right. But it's the way. The way to glory is the way of the cross. Wow. Is it appropriate? I mean, the next time that we go through a time of suffering or pressure to ask the Holy Spirit, because that's what Paul talked about, that the Holy Spirit was poured into our hearts. Is it appropriate to ask the Holy Spirit to pour himself into our hearts? Or is, is honestly that kind of unnecessary? It, it's, it's an action that's already taken place. Well, I think it is necessary. And, and I would say Ephesians 5.18 has a great line there. It says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a present active verb there. Mm. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you go, wait, I'm a Christian. I received the Holy Spirit when I gave my life to Christ. Yeah, you received the Holy Spirit. So now when you're going through a situation, ask the Holy Spirit to fill that situation with hope. I believe that's what, what Paul is inviting us to do is here's a new situation. Okay, am I going to let it get the best of me, rob me of my peace, rob me of my hope? That's where we say, Holy Spirit, fill this situation that I'm going through right now. Just fill it with your hope. I think that is perfectly appropriate and, frankly, wise for a Christian to do. Mm, wow. This, this, I love this topic. Uh, it, it has so much uh, functional usage, I think, for all of our lives, because if we're not going through struggle right now. I mean, right now there there have been several tragedies that have happened in our fair city, and and uh, there are listeners that are going through struggles uh, right now. And if they're not, they're going to, and uh, that's just the way life is. But um, if you don't mind, let's just turn our attention to the last dimension of hope, and that's the hope affecting our future. Um, Paul closes the loop here by returning to our justification. So we're not only spared from his wrath, but we are reconciled to him. 
not to set aside our forgiveness or the satisfaction of his righteous demands, but why the emphasis on reconciliation? Well, reconciliation really is about relationships. You know, even the word reconcile means to reconcile, reconnect. Hmm. And sin broke our relationship with God. The good news, because we have been justified and our sin has been pardoned, it's been removed, we can now, through Christ, be reconciled. We can be put back together into a living, personal, daily relationship with our creator. Hmm. And I, I love I love the way you said that, Sean, about uh, closing the loop. I, I don't think Sunday morning in the sermon, I don't think I used the great theological terms. But if you notice in these first 11 verses of Romans 5, Paul covers the, the three great aspects of our life that we have been justified in our past. We are being sanctified in the present, and we will someday be glorified in the future. So justification, sanctification, glorification, you talk about closing the loop. Paul really does explain, here's how, once you understand those three great theological truths, here's what you can have. You can have hope in your past because your sins are forgiven. You can have hope for the present pressures because God is actively involved in your life, pouring the Holy Spirit in as needed. And you, you have hope for the future yeah. because you know that when you die, you spend all of eternity in the presence of God because Jesus has taken the future wrath of God that will be poured out on unbelievers on judgment day. Jesus has already taken that wrath for us. Um, I, and I, I mentioned Sunday morning. I said, that's what you call full coverage. Past, <laughs> present, and future. We, we are covered in the wonderful hope of God, no matter what the circumstances around may be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I just chuckled when you, you said it in the message and I chuckled when I, when I heard it again. And uh, I, I do think that it's, it's a wonderful thing that, that in a way uh, it, it is so honoring that we have an opportunity to uh, trust the Lord through these, through these things. He is committed to the relationship um, forever, isn't he? Uh, he's, and I, and I don't know why I'm just such a boring person. What would God have? <laughs> why, why would he want to spend all of eternity uh, with me around? I mean, I don't understand that, but, but I guess I don't understand his love. I don't understand his, 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 uh, his compassion for me and his desire for my friendship. That's just, I, that it, I have no words for such a thing like that. Yeah, well, well, join join me next week in the final sermon because it's on grow up in love. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this very topic of God's love for us and our love for one another. Oh, Rick, good segue. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick, we talked last week about the opposite of faith as being uh, sloth. What might the opposite of hope be? I would have to choose the word despair because mm. that's what I see when people are hopeless. They just live in despair. It's this, there's, there's no way out. There's no exit. Um, and, and frankly, Sean, when you think the ultimate destination of a world without God is despair. To mm -hmm. me, the definition of life without God is despair. It's wow. just, there's, there's no hope. Um, throw in the towel, 
stick a fork in me, I'm done. And tragically, so many people live their lives that way. And it, it does not surprise me at all that suicide uh, is on the increase in America because mm. the secular humanistic culture yeah. is growing in influence. And as secular humanism grows, I promise you, the, uh, the rate of suicide will grow right alongside. Why not? I'm actually surprised, Sean, that the rate of suicide is not higher than it is. Mm. Why, why would people want to keep living if uh, we just live this challenging, difficult, a painful life and end up as worm food? Yeah. What kind of hope is that? Yeah. that that's called despair. Wow. You know, I've actually heard um, friends talk about that. And it, it just, it, it, it pains me to hear that, that they would say, yeah, I believe that. I believe one day that I'll just be worm food and uh, that, that I'll just cease to exist. And I'm thinking that the, the mere fact that you're saying that, that, that there is an admittance to that is, is so terribly painful to me. They, they, they don't, they have more faith, it seems, in the great nothing than they do that there's a there's a God who loves them, a God who uh, took great meticulous care. Well, what we think of as great meticulous care, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to give this away now. I'm, I'm we're you can probably tell, folks, from the quality of the audio that I am not next sitting next door or sitting next to Rick Hale in his office. Um, I'm I'm actually uh, at in Hawaii. <laughs> And there's, you can read the blog about that later if you want to, but, but uh, I'm looking at, at the beautiful ecosystem here and how can people think that, that this was not incredibly and meticulously designed? Um, every day I take a walk along the coast in the morning and uh, there are literally flowers that drop from the, from the trees. And uh, that, that's how graceful this place is, that flowers drop from the trees. <laughs> It's it's design it, demands there is a designer. Yes, it's incredible. Um, wow. Okay. Well, Rick, uh, thank you so much for that fantastic message. And folks, you've got to listen to this message and make sure that you listen and tune in next week uh, to not only next week's podcast, but also for uh, the message. Please come to church if you can. Uh, we would love to have you as our, as our guest. Uh, but Rick, for right now, uh, as, as you know, it's time for Rick's quote of the week. All right, Rick, what you got for us today? Well, I've got a good John Maxwell quote, and it, it really fits because we're talking about growth. You know, do, do we grow? How do we grow? But John Maxwell said, change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Ooh. I want to challenge people. Yeah, growth is optional. You can get bitter or you can get better. Choose better. Yeah. Grow, mature, especially in faith, hope, and love. Fantastic. Wow, that's a great quote. All right. Well, Rick, what else is happening uh, here at Grace? Well, I already mentioned that this coming Sunday, we wrap up the Grow Up series. We're going to talk about growing up in love. Most people know the famous John 3.16 mm-hmm. passage. We're going to look at the other John 3.16. We're going to look at 1 John oh. 3.16 in the letter of John. And we're going to discover it has a great challenge and encouragement on the topic of love. Hey, I want to encourage people to come Sunday morning uh, to Grace. The Grace Choir is going to be singing. They haven't Woo-hoo. been singing in a long time because of the pandemic. They're going to be back 
going to be a great time of celebration. Also, Sean will be back on the mainland. I will. And Sunday night, we're going to be leading Class 101 Discovering Membership. If you want to know more about Grace's vision and values, that is your next stop. Join us Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.